Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Hey, welcome to Victory. I'm Paul Doherty, the pastor here at Victory, along with my wife, Ashley. We are so honored that you came to church this weekend to be with us. This is Founders Weekend. We are celebrating the history of our church this weekend, and we wanna show you just a little bit of where Victory started and where we are today. Let's back up 37 years ago to 1981 and see what God has done. The story of Victory is a story of God's faithfulness. From the very beginning, when Victory started in 1981, in the hearts of our founding pastors, Billy Joe and Sharon Doherty, God was faithful. We began to expand from the north to the south, the east to the west. God not only began this church, but he would later launch our Victory Christian School, K4 through 12th grade, our Bible college, our Camp Victory in Manford, Oklahoma, and then the Tulsa Dream Center. We've always been a church about loving God and loving people, getting outside the four walls of the church. Whether it was crusades in St. Petersburg, Russia, or tent crusades right here in our own city, we've been able to bring God's love to thousands of people to experience His hope, His healing, and His salvation through this ministry. We honor our founding pastor's vision and we believe that the best is still to come. Isn't it amazing what God can do when people trust in His will for their life and go forward with obedience one step at a time? It's an amazing story what God has done in victory and through victory and what God is about to do. Would you welcome to the stage Pastor Sharon Doherty for Founders Weekend here at Victory. Father, today we just thank you that we're open to you. We're open. We're, we're saying, Lord, speak into us. We want, we want everything you have. And Lord, we believe for the supernatural of your spirit, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to talk to you this morning about knowing God's voice and then learning how to move in the sensitivity to follow his leading in our lives. Do you know God doesn't want just people on a platform to move in the Holy Spirit? He wants believers. How many believers in here today? I thought so. He wants believers to move in his power, in his Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a couple here this morning that come once a month from Edmond, Oklahoma, and uh, their last name is Amen. That's a good name. But Linda, uh, there was back in November uh, when we had water baptism Sunday, uh, a lot of times in the end of services, I'll walk up and down the aisles and I'll just start uh, praying in the spirit to myself, just uh, to the Lord, but you know, under, uh, quietly to myself. And I'm pray, I'm asking the Lord to help me find people to come down front to pray for other people at the altar. But sometimes the Lord will just stop me, and He'll just say, "Pray for that one." And so that happened. I was walking over here uh, in this area as I was coming from the back on down, and I stopped to just reach over and pray for this lady and touch her. And I prayed for healing. I didn't know her. I didn't know what her situation. Then I went on. Well, anyway. They came to me in January, and um, 
when we had water baptism again, and they said, we just wanted to tell you that um, back when that happened, you didn't know this, but she had been diagnosed with a rare type of leukemia. And uh, Linda, you want to stand up just a moment? This is Rodney and Linda, and they are from Edmond. In fact, they go over to the Victory uh, Church over there. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Just share what, what okay. you have. Sharon did not know at the time, but we, I was diagnosed four years ago with chronic lymphatic leukemia. And I had been through chemo, but my body was not wanting to reproduce my blood cells. And I'd been through several transfusions, and my levels had been really low. And after she walked over and prayed with me that Sunday, my next appointment, my levels started going up. She doesn't know this because since I talked to her or talked to her last on Valentine's Day, I went again to my oncologist and all of my levels are normal. I'm no longer naming anything. Thank you, Jesus. I don't uh, talk real good, but uh, our doctor that we go to, and he's really a neat person. But the first time that we were in his office, he goes, now you know that this isn't curable. So when we walked outside after it was all over with, I told Linda, I said, it is curable because God can heal her. And, and the next to the last time that we went to see him, he came in and he goes, well, you know, this is pretty hard to get rid of. So he's, he's completely changed his uh, thinking. And I told Linda, I said, he's already realizing that you can be healed. So then the next time was when he said, yeah. That she was healed. Yeah. So the, so the last time you went, he just said she was healed. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you both. Praise God. You know, God wants to prove himself to the world around us. And through our testimony, the Bible says we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And that's so important that when God works in you, that you're able to share that. And then that God's able to use that testimony as a, a prophecy. That's what Revelation tells us that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when we testify, we're actually prophesying to the unreached world or to the unbelieving world around us. And, and uh, that doctor, he got the testimony of the reality of the power of Jesus Christ still here today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. A lot of times people wonder, does God still speak today? In fact, here recently there was a television program. I didn't see it, but people told me about it. But uh, on this television program, there was a host, TV host, that she, she made the statement. She said, you know, it's one thing to talk to God. It's another thing when people say God talks to them. She said, I just think that's kind of crazy. In fact, I think that's dangerous. I think Christians who say that God talks to them, I think they must be crazy. They must be, and they're probably dangerous. You know what? I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think I'm dangerous. But I do know God still speaks. God's been talking ever since the beginning. In fact, Genesis chapter one, it says, God said, let there be, and everything became. 
He spoke this whole world into existence with his words. And then in Genesis chapter 2, when he, he told Adam and Eve, don't eat of that one tree, he spoke again to Adam. He said, you can eat of all the trees, but not that one, because that's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat it, then you'll surely die. And so Genesis chapter 3, we see how another voice came into the garden. Folks, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 10 says, there's many voices around us. And particularly, there's the stranger's voice that Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse four and verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice. The stranger's voice, they won't follow. It didn't mean they won't hear it. It just means they won't follow. And so we understand there's a lot of voices. And so that in Genesis three, when the enemy came into the garden and he began to question God's word to Adam and Eve, then he lied to them. He said, it wasn't like God said. And then he made the fruit appealing and so they took of it. Well, right after that, it says, God's voice came walking in the garden. Yeah. I mean, God was still talking even though they had sinned. Do you know God still talks even when people have sinned? He's still talking. And so then he, he continued talking. Genesis chapter four. Genesis four, we read where Cain. Cain was upset because God had accepted Abel's offering, but had not accepted his. Well, God had already made it clear to Adam and Eve that they had to bring a blood sacrifice to come into his presence, a blood of animals. And so that meant it wasn't their own works that they were bringing before God. Cain brought his works and he got mad because God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't accept his. And so God talked talk to Cain. Here's Cain, he's in rebellion, he's, in, he's mad, he's in offense, and God's trying to talk to Cain. He says, Cain, stop thinking that way, or you're gonna do something you'll regret. Well, Cain didn't stop, and he killed his brother. And so then he was a marked man. Later we see how God spoke to, Moses, to, to Noah. Noah, God, God said, I'm gonna start all over. The earth is filled with corrupt, corruption and violence, and I'm gonna start all over with you and your family. But God talked to Noah and told him what to do. I want you to build an ark. With all the people that God would talk to, God, when he spoke, they needed to do something to follow through with what he said. Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 12, God said to Abraham, leave your family, leave your comfort zone, leave your securities of where you are, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Now, Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham went out on that word from God, that voice, not knowing where he was going. You see, when God's voice speaks in us, we don't always know what's ahead. But we have to trust the voice. We have to trust God's word to our hearts. And so his leading. So Abram, he acted on that, that voice and then God began to unfold things and Abram began to be called the father of our faith because he stepped out in faith on the voice. Today I wanna to talk to you about that, how that you, you and I, God wants us to move out of our comfort zone, move beyond our securities, move beyond that place where we feel like we got a handle on everything and he wants us to move in his spirit. He wants us to move us into his realm of the spirit because he needs his people to bring this great harvest of souls into the kingdom of God in the last days. And you may say, well, I'm not a preacher. 
No, but you're a believer. And as a believer, the Holy Spirit's in you for a purpose. Jesus, when he told his disciples, he said, now I'm going to go away. I'm not, my physical presence is not going to be with you. But he said, I'm going to send you another helper. And this was the word parakletos in John chapter 14, 17. He said, he will come to be a helper to you. And so the disciples, they had been so used to Jesus being with them physically. You know, that it was, I mean, it was really hard for them to think, what are we going to do when he's not here? We've leaned on him. And when we mess up, I mean, he makes up for it. He, he covers us. And so now he's gone, but he told them, go and wait upon the Holy Spirit. He's going to endue you with power. So they did. They went to pray and, and got endued with power in the book of Acts. We see that. And the whole book of Acts is about movement of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit moved in them and then moved through them and through others and how people, masses of people were getting saved because of Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them. Allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through them. And so we are again at this moment where every move of God's Spirit, every move of revival or move of God's Spirit, awakenings that have happened throughout history, and every one of them, people have had to believe and move in faith upon a voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and they've had to discern the voices around them. Like I said a while ago, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 10, there are many voices in the world around us pulling on us. And we have to discern which is the voice of God. And then we've got to follow that voice. And I'm going to share with you just a little bit of our story today because I, I first heard this voice when I was 16 and I surrendered my life. See, I believe there's a point in our life we have to surrender. I grew up in the church, my dad was a pastor, but I surrendered at age 16. And when I did, I heard that very moment that I surrendered. Read your Bible every day, pray every day, I've called you in ministry. I didn't know that third one, what that was gonna be because at that time there wasn't any women, people, women ministers that I knew of except for one real liberal lady that I didn't want to be like her. But anyway, I, uh, I just kept that to myself. But my dad, my dad recognized the Holy Spirit moving in my life. See, when you start allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life, others will recognize it. And he said, I need a youth pastor. You're it. I was 17. I didn't know much at all, but John 3, 16 and Psalms 100. And you know, that was about it. But I had an experience. So I began to witness one-on-one -on -one to kids and uh, and just move in the love of God and uh, see people get saved. But, uh, but in that time, my husband and I had started dating. Well, um, he had a move of the Holy Spirit happen in his life. And so then uh, I went on to college where he was. He was on a full ride football scholarship at a place called Southern Arkansas University. And um, and so he, he wasn't a muscular football player, big guy, you know. He was just average size, and, but he was quick on his feet. He could think. He could think very quickly on his feet. And so he was fast. And so, um, so he had a full ride football scholarship all through the four years of college. He was a sophomore at that time. And so, um, so he, he began to get pressed in his spirit, stirred troubled in his spirit, not satisfied. And 
here he had everything. You know, he had the, the scholarship, full ride scholarship. He was in his hometown so he could go home to his mom and dad's house, you know, and eat a meal every now and then and, or uh, get his clothes cleaned. And, and uh, I was there, his girlfriend, you know. And so everything seemed okay in the outside, but the Holy Spirit started stirring him on the inside. You see, the Holy Spirit has a voice. And when he comes to live inside of you, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He talks to you. And he wants to help you be, do and be where you need to be and do. And so uh, that Holy Spirit inside of him began to trouble him. And so uh, when that happened, uh, there was a young man that we had gone to school with, uh, graduated from high school with, and we hadn't seen him since graduation, but he came home from from school at that time during the holiday. And we were in, in this little greasy spoon cafe in our town. And, and uh, he saw Billy Joe, he says, Billy Joe, I've been thinking about you. I, I, I've been wanting to speak to you. And out of Billy Joe came, I've been wanting to talk to you too. And then later Billy Joe said, I thought, I have? I didn't even realize I'd been wanting to talk to him. <laughs> they got together and Ken began to tell him about ORU, where he was. And he said, you know, the vision there is for God, for God to raise up people, students to hear God's voice, to go where his light is dim, his voice is heard small, and to take his healing power to the darkest places of the earth, and, uh, and their work will exceed yours, and in that I will be, be well pleased. And so, anyway, he heard that, and then Ken said, and the teachers pray with you, you know, if you need prayer. Well, where we were, that was not the case. I mean, it was kind of like, you fend for yourself. But... Um, but anyway, his spirit got so excited. And so he prayed. He felt like God said, leave where you are, go to ORU. Well, he came to ORU and um, it was, you know, his, his, his father, his two brothers, they sat down with him. They said, Billy Joe, this doesn't make sense because, you, you know, the coach said, you're burning your bridges behind you. And, uh, and, and, and this doesn't make sense on paper. I mean, you've got enough money for one semester you're a sophomore. It's your second semester sophomore year. That means you've got two more years of college and you have no money. It doesn't make sense. And so Bill just said, I, I know that, but I just, I just believe that I've heard from God. So he went to ORU and um, while he was there, he was praying and uh, seeking the Lord. And so then he got a job working in the PE laundry department with another guy, and they washed all the dirty PE clothes of all the students. They were surrounded in this little room. I remember that room. Anyway, it was real stinky. And, um, and so that's what they did, day in, day out, you know? That was their job uh, while they were students. Well, at the end of that semester, there was an uh, announcement made that those who wanted to become resident counselors in dorms sign up. So he signed up, he just really felt in his heart this is what God wants me to do. I'm supposed to be one of those. Well, it would pay for all of your tuition for the whole year. So um, he signed up, went to go check the list, and his name wasn't on it. So um, he, he just thought to himself, well, they missed it because I really believed I was supposed to be on that list. At the same time, he had to work that summer somewhere, and he had an offer to work out in the oil fields, uh, roughnecking, and um, uh, he would make enough money to kind of get through part of the year, but not the full year. And this other job that was a youth pastor job in a little bitty town in Arkansas, a little church, they, and by the end of the summer, he would have made $200.
So the Lord, the Holy Spirit in him said, take the youth pastor job. Now, that makes no sense to the natural mind. And this is where you, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Like the children of Israel did in the day of provocation in the wilderness. They hardened their hearts. They got in fear and they would not believe God. And they wanted Moses to know God for them. They saw God's ways, but they did not know God's ways. And so, Billy Joe, he, he, he felt in his heart to take that, that position. Well, it didn't look good as far as financially. In the middle of the summer in July, he gets a letter. And in the letter, it's a letter from this guy he worked in the laundromat with. The guy said, my wife is secretary to one of the deans. And the dean came in one day and said, you know, I need an assistant. Do you know somebody would be a good assistant? She said, yeah, my husband. He's a good business person. And he says, okay. So he hires him as an assistant. So that guy goes from laundromat to dean's assistant. So then the, the dean says, the first job I'm going to give you is, see this list of names? One of the guys decided to join the Navy this summer, and I need to replace him. You pick the person that's supposed to be in his place. So the only person on the list he knew was Billy Joe. So he gets the letter saying, you've been awarded a full scholarship for your uh, tuition this next year for being, as being a dorm resident. Then he gets another letter the following week, and it said, because you made A's, because you made good grades, you've been awarded an academic scholarship, and it paid for the rest of his schooling that whole year. So the following year, we, he ended up proposing to me. We ended up getting married that, that next summer. So we believed God for an apartment. You know, they didn't have housing back then for couples. And so we believed for this apartment, $65 a month, bills paid, bugs included. <laughs> and we got it way down further north. And, and, um, but but uh, during that time, we were, we were uh, tithing to, to, to God at the church we were going to. We were leasing our faith. I remember one day in chapel, Brother Roberts stood up and said, we need to buy cameras, and, uh, we, and I'm going to give you students opportunity to sow seed into it. So my husband leans over, we're going to sow $60. I said, uh, that's our month's rent. And he says, I know, we're going to sow $60. So we sowed $60 that we could not see how we could be able to do that, but we did it. You know, when you plant seed, it's not just for you, but it's for, your, for the future too. Do you know, many, many, many years later, we ended up using those cameras because uh, we needed cameras as a ministry. And the seed we sowed when we were students and we didn't have much, you know, we paid our bills that month. We paid for our monthly uh, rent. We were able to do, I can't explain how it happens, but I just know when you seek first the kingdom of God, God adds to you somehow, some way, he proves himself to you. And so, uh, Billy Joe, uh, we, we then, you know, after we were married, we, he was graduating. I still had another year, year and a half. And right before, right, right before we were going to get married, I wanted to quit school. I just wanted to quit school, get married. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, open your Bible. I opened my Bible up and I landed on Luke chapter 14, verse 
28 through 30. No man starts to build a tower without first counting the cost to see if he has enough to finish it. And if you don't finish, then people say, well, he didn't, he started it, but he didn't finish. And so the Lord said, you will finish and you will finish it over you. So anyway, I had that in my spirit. Now, let me just say this. God speaks to us by his, by his word, in his word. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God, it divides between what is of our soulish realm and our spirit. The soulish realm of you is your emotions, your own reasoning. It's your desires. And then the spirit is the part of you that God wants to lead you and, and, and dominate your, your soulish realm. So anyway, reading the word is vital for all of us to read the word. The word is like a manual. The word is our, it's sharp. It's able to uh, help us with discernment. And we've got to be able to discern in these last days that we're in. Okay, then prayer. Prayer, praying is how the Holy Spirit talks to us as well in our thoughts. Then visions and dreams. Visions and dreams. You read the book of Acts, you see how they prayed. You see how they also had visions at times, dreams. God will speak to us at times in that way. And then at other times he speaks to us through other people. When you read about Moses, how Jethro, his father-in-law came along one day and said, what you're doing is not wise. You're going to wear yourself out and people with you. Uh, pick people who can help you lead and help you uh, counsel with these people. Moses took that because he, and, and Jethro said, you, you make sure this is what God is saying to you. And you know what? He, he believed it was God speaking to him through his father-in-law. Sometimes God uses other people. But also with other people, you've got to be able to discern. You know, some people are trying to control you. Some people, they are afraid. If you leave, then they're not going to have you anymore. And you know, you've got to discern through all of those things. Okay, so uh, with us and, and with Billy Joe at that time, he was graduating and, and he's, he had an opportunity to go with Youth for Christ or to go with uh, this church in our city that was a church that needed a youth pastor. And so that church had not contacted us. Youth for Christ, their organization said, yeah, you'll have to move out here to Denver, Colorado for training and then we'll send you out. Well, he couldn't get a piece in his heart. Because I, I told him, I said, now God told me I was supposed to finish my degree here at ORU. He says, well, you can finish your degree here at ORU and stay here. And I'm going to obey God wherever God tells me to go. I said, well, we're married. I'm, I'm going I'm to go with you. And then I prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to talk to him or deal with this situation. <laughs> you know? Then you find out, did I hear from God or not? But I knew I had heard that in my heart. I didn't say anything. I just trusted. And then he said to me, you know, I just cannot shake this thing that we're supposed to be at that church. I'm going to call that church. He calls the church. He says, brother so-and-so, he says, you know, I'm just checking to see is that youth pastor job still open. The guy goes, you know what it is? You're the only ones that tried out for it. And he said, um, we're desperate. And he said, why don't you come on? And if we like you and you like us, after two or three months, you can stay. Okay? So we came on. Sometimes people are not excited for you. Just because you are moving in the Holy Spirit, they're not always excited for you. You got to get past your feelings. Get past what the, the, all those things. 
And so we went, do you know the youth group quadrupled in two months? It went four times, I mean, the size that it was, which it was only 20-something 20, 20 people, you know, before. But it, it, it quadrupled in two months. And, and during that time, uh, we had prayed, Lord, we need our doctrine sound. So give us, put us somewhere where we can get sound doctrine. And that summer, a man named Kenneth Hagen had come to that church in 1974, Ju July, and he held a camp meeting. We didn't even know, my husband didn't know what a camp meeting was. I didn't really know a lot about it because I'd never been to one, but I had heard my parents talk about Brush Arbor meetings years back. But anyway, we, he said, we're in these meetings, we're learning, we're learning about the Word of God. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, where have we been all of our lives? I grew up in church. I've never heard the simplicity of the Word of God like this, where I understand it and I can do something with it. And so, wow, it changed us so then we knew God was speaking our hearts. A guy named Kenneth Copeland came one day and said, you know, this church one day is gonna burst out of its walls, touch the ends of the earth. And you know what? When that day happened, and we were in multiple services, seven services on a Sunday. Wow, that's a lot of services. It's called the longest day. <laughs> but out of that was how we birthed Victor Christian Center. The board didn't wanna leave that church. They wanted to keep it. They didn't want to go with the move. They wanted us to start another church. So we started another church with zero money. We're back at zero again. You know, everything we have done, we started with zero. But you know what? For somehow, we were able to obey God and just sacrifice in our own selves. And people saw that, and they were willing to come along with us. We believe God's hands on you. We're going we're gonna to be with you in this. Everything you're sitting in right now is because of following the voice. I remember when we were in Russia and we were doing these crusades, God had spoken to us to go there and God had told us years before to translate the new life book into Russian. And it sat for a few years, but that took a lot for us because we needed that money to go from, uh, that we were going to use on that. But we obeyed God. And when we saw the masses of people just running from the top of the auditorium all the way to the, the bottom every month, 18 months straight. They were running to get saved, running to get the power of God in their lives and be healed and be delivered. And oh man, we saw so many spectacular healings and deliverances and, and uh, signs and wonders in that time. But one, one of the nights, Bill Joe was standing on the platform and the Lord said to him, you would not be seeing this if you had not gone to ORU. Was it that ORU had a corner on the market? No. But ORU was where we were supposed to be. Had we not believed God, had Billy Joe not believed God, had Billy Joe not stepped out, I came the following year. We graduated debt-free because we believed God for our finances. And there were things that we, we had to work through, hindrances that came along the way. So it wasn't always easy. But I'm just saying to you, that was what God said allowed us to see the other. You know what? When you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's not only for you. It's going to affect masses of people you don't even know. It's going to affect people in your future. It's going to affect others. Why do we need to follow the Holy Spirit? Think about the, school, the Sunday school teacher that taught Billy Graham. She didn't know what Billy Graham was going to end up being. But she's got a part in his life. 
and all the masses of people that he reached. See, it's all connected. It, when we follow that voice, we are connecting not only with heaven, we're connecting with earth around us. And God has great things that he wants to do through his believers in these last days as we move in him. He wants us to hear his voice. Many times people get distracted, distracted by other people, other people in their lives trying to pull on them. Sometimes they get distracted by the world itself trying to pull on them. Sometimes people get distracted by Facebook. Uh-oh, I'm getting in the natural here. Sometimes they get distracted by their phones. And the Holy Spirit is calling. He's calling us. I want you to come and know my voice. I want you to step in faith on my voice. I want you to see my glory. Once you've seen a, and tasted just a little bit of it, you want more. You want more. And you want to see God work. A man in our church, a couple in our church, they have a, a medical um, they, a supply business. But many years ago, he was praying in tongues. Now, this is why it's important to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit because revelation can come to us that comes out from heaven, you know. But he prayed in tongues for an hour and praying for God's revelation to come to him. And God gave him a revelation of a, a small little medical instrument that is used in surgery in hospitals. And he created that. And that little invention now is in hospitals all over the United States. A man in our church prayed in tongues, got that revelation. God wants to give revelation to business people. He wants to give revelation to educators. He wants to give revelation to government people. He wants to give revelation to uh, people that are in media, arts and entertainment, or in, um, in various realms of our society. He wants his believers right now to be used in supernatural ways. And he needs every one of us. Just tell that person next to you, he needs you. Yeah, yeah. What about that lady that got the revelation on diapers? Disposable diapers. Thank God, amen. How many of you ladies are, well, are, are grateful? That woman got a revelation from heaven. Yeah. Many times we don't stop and think how God, heaven reveals things to us. Heaven wants us to move in his leading because God wants his people to be seen as different, set apart. Not different in a crazy way, but set apart that we bring God honor, that God gets glorified. God wants, wants to be recognized in the world that we live in. Why don't we stand together right now? Oh, Father, today, help us to follow your lead. Help us to know your voice. Help us, Lord, to allow your Holy Spirit to have your way in our lives. I led a 90-year-old man to the Lord one time. He was sick with cancer on his bed. God healed him. He got saved. And he spent the next five years preaching to people. Now, this man was a, a, a wealthy man. And I just happened to be called to go and pray for him late one night. 
And I went and um, his daughter and his, his wife had been praying, fasting. And uh, I went in there, they shut the door and I'm thinking, okay, I've never met this man before and here I am in the room with him. But you know what? God used that man and then I did his funeral. And I gave an invitation for people to be saved. Why? Because I believe God doesn't stop using people if they get 90 years old. I believe God still uses all people who will let him use them. He wants to flow through the young, through children. He wants to flow through the older people. And I want you to know right now, he is moving among us. Some of you are here today and you, you have allowed the enemy to separate you from, from the body, from other people. And God's gonna reconnect you today. Some of you, you, you need to let go of some things because when we move with the Holy Spirit, we have to let go of some things. Let go of offense. Let go of sometimes disappointments. Let go of, of uh, failures. You have to let go as you move with the Holy Spirit. But you also have to be open. Holy Spirit, you can do something fresh in my life today. I allow you to. I welcome you. I want us to bow our heads all over the place. If you're here today and you just need to surrender first, Lord, today I pray for each one here that we would, we would all be in a surrender place with you. If you need to surrender, just lift your hand. You're just saying, Pastor Sharon, I just need to surrender today, surrender my life so that God can do what he wants to in my life. Just raise your hand all over the auditorium. I, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to have, let God have his way in my life all around the auditorium. Hands going up, praise God. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I would like someone to pray with me for this baptism of the Holy Spirit because I would like to be able to pray where Holy Spirit is speaking to me in a supernatural way. If that's you, just lift your hand. I'd like for somebody to pray with me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had that experience, but you've let that go dormant, that gift go dormant. God says, it's time to stir the gift up time to stir it up. If that's you, you're saying, I need someone to pray with me today. Yeah, just lift your hand all over the auditorium. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Sharon, I am opening my heart up today for God to work in my life because I realize I got distracted or I got, I got off. I need, I need to get back in that flow, that divine flow. If that's you, the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring you back into His divine flow that's it, hands going up, praise God. You're saying, I'm ready for someone to pray with me. I wanna get back into that divine flow of the Holy Spirit in my life, the gifts of the Spirit moving in my life. You want more, you want more than where you are right now. You, you're hungry. How many of you are hungry? You want more from the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to move in your life, to use your life, yeah, yeah. We're gonna open the altar up right now for you to come to the front. If you lifted your hand on any of those, uh, invitations or you just want to come to the front and you didn't lift your hand but today you're saying I want this Holy Spirit flow in my life I want to know his voice I want to flow with his voice I want to live my life in that surrender to him I want to move in faith upon his his promptings in my life I want to be able to discern voices around me I'm coming to the front for prayer thank you Lord and over on this side, we're gonna have one of our pastors over here that's gonna pray with those of you that wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's gonna be over there to pray with you and, and uh, help you pray. 
uh, Pastor Steve and, and Terry Spanich, they're going to be over there to just help you to, to, to move out in that gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. But this, this right here, we're all coming down here as we're going to take time to pray and then we'll dismiss. If you'll just pray this prayer with me out loud. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want you to have your way in me. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me of sin. I turn to you with all my heart. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in me. Fill me. Flow through me. Use my life with your divine flow. I open myself up that you can give me understanding supernatural insight to help me I receive right now this helper the Holy Spirit flowing through me in Jesus name amen 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 praise God praise God thank you for listening to victory if you're in the area we'd love to meet you at any of our services Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.